Welcome, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. My guest in studio today, I'm so excited to have him here. His name is Mick Rock. He's sometimes known as the man who shot the 70s. You've been looking at images that he took as a photographer for your entire life. The cover of Transformer by Lou Reed, Iggy and the Stooges, Raw Power, Queens, Queen 2, and Sheer Heart Attack. It goes on and on and on. I'm so pleased to have you in the studio. Yeah, my mother, st well, until she died, she was still waiting for me to get a real job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think you've done okay for yourself here. Uh, you have uh, photographs on display at the List Gallery in Toronto right now. Uh, you can pick up one of these iconic images, but I want to go back. Uh, the Man Who Shot the 70s was a title that you didn't like for a long time. You kind no. of disdained. Tell me why, <laughs> and why have you embraced it? No, I didn't like it because it was like, you know, come 1980, I put my camera down, but I'm still shooting today. Mm -hmm. I shot Lana Del Rey very recently and uh, like about a month ago. And I actually shot new pictures for the gentleman who was the mastermind of Hedwig. Yeah, yeah. So um, I still know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, can, so it felt yeah, like a bit of a burden? Well, I think when when did it start? Maybe... When the hell was it? Maybe it was in the early nineties, and it was before, probably before people started to like gallery owners, for instance, right. started to consider rock and roll photography as being an art form. I mean, it was so disposable. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, all the stuff that I did, especially in the seventies and early eighties, actually, but. Um, it well, but it's different today. For, I mean, photography is huge. It's as big as music, mm -hmm. which it certainly wasn't years ago, because there was no internet. There were nowhere near as many magazines. There was—I don't even think there was any cable television in '69, '70, '71, '72. In fact, not till many years later. So, but today, well. People get very excited about it, which works out good for me. Well, they, they want a piece of their, their, their yes. life. And, and I was telling yes. you earlier, I got gushy with you a little bit earlier and was telling you that the images that, that you took, uh, and I, you know, I can't tell you how long I sat there looking at the cover getting of Transformer. Twisted. Getting twisted. <laughs> but the cover of Lou Reed's Transformer, mm -hmm. Coney Island Baby, Raw Power, those were images that were embedded in my mind at a very early age. And when I said earlier, you know, these images that you've been looking at your whole life, the uh, cover of I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett, these are iconic rock and roll images. And, and you took them. Well... I suppose I did, it yeah. Didn't, it didn't feel... But, <laughs> no, but, it was but, my finger on the button, <laughs> definitely. Well, how did you get started as a photographer? You, you didn't study it in school. No, I was studying modern languages and literature at mm -hmm. Cambridge University, and uh, I don't know if it was the first or second time I'd taken a trip of LSD, and, uh, <laughs> and well, it was... I mean, I haven't touched LSD since 1971, I don't think, so it's uh, all a long time ago with this... Probably around probably around sixty eight, and I picked up a friend's camera, and there was something about the, in, I mean, as if it wasn't intense enough already, um, the 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 
cutting out little pieces of the world around you. And, right, looking through the viewfinder. Yes, yeah. exactly. But also the clack of the shutter. Right. That enhanced everything. I mean, I still remember it. It's still in my mind. Uh, but as it... Well, there is a documentary out there now running around. You Called could, Shot, right? Yeah. Shot with an exclamation mark, <laughs> yes. Um, and you will see certain things in there, including the fact that there was no... Um, there was no film in the camera right. that particular <laughs> day. But after that, I remembered I found out how to load a camera and... Um, uh, and it just kind of rolled organically. I still wasn't thinking much about it. I didn't know sometimes if things, even if they come out of the blue, come at you very easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't interested in the technical side of photography. Some people, some photographers like that. Uh, me, I, it was just the images, the pictures. And, and technically, I can think of three of those albums, which by that you have mentioned that by the technical standards are probably not not really. I mean, the Sid Barrett one that was shot on daylight film inside with a tiny little reflector photo flood. <laughs> and, um, and because there wasn't that much light, I had to push it three stops. So it was the look of it which looks a little painterly, is becomes because of all the technical errors. I mean, if I'd been a full-time pro, I'd have been in there with all the gear. Right. I mean, I probably would nowadays be in there, but <laughs> at that time, I didn't have that gear. Um, and then the Transformer shot, which was actually a performance shot, fell out of focus in the printing. And I, print, I mean, it's actually quite sharp. And yeah. if you see shot, you can see the transition. Right. And... Um, when Lou and I looked at it, we both thought the one that was... Uh, I mean, it wasn't considered for the cover. It wasn't a concept. You <laughs> couldn't have that Transformer cover. couldn't have been a concept. It was... I just went along and shot it and certainly wasn't a commission any more than Raw Power was. Right. And Raw Power also shot under the floodlight and it's also um, daylight film and push process. So that's got that orange look about it. Um, and I thought for many years, though I knew they were shot at the same location, I could remember that much, but that Raw Power and Transformer were shot a week apart. <laughs> I was sure they were shot a week apart. Uh, and I, I had a friend who was like a bit of an expert, or I got to know this guy, and, uh, and he said, oh, no, Mick, they were shot. This, what it was was a cinema that on the weekends, on Friday night and Saturday night, would convert into a rock and roll venue. Anyway, he showed me very recently this ad out of uh, a newspaper at the time, and it certainly wasn't a big newspaper because neither of those acts were well known in the, at that mm -hmm. particular point in the summer of 1972 that they were in fact shot in successive days. So that was, and the other interesting thing is that I don't think I shot Lou till after midnight. The the uh, unions hadn't got the control right. over rock and roll. We'd have to finish by a certain time. Or only shoot the first three songs. Or oh no, that, like that came yeah. later. No, when I, when I, I haven't shot 
a little bit of performance stuff here and there, but only if it's a commission uh, and I get the full run, mm -hmm. which I did have back then. There was none of that three, yeah, yeah. and nobody cared about Lou and Iggy. In fact, <laughs> I was the only photographer there. <laughs> I mean, they, to say that is not quite true. They had a, a what was known. There was an underground back then. Right. There was this subterranean thing that maybe only... It took much longer for the word to get out there back in those days. Now, you know, I can take a picture of you here and out in Mongolia, they can be like admiring it in about within less than five minutes. Yeah. Back in those days, you'd have to actually process the <laughs> film or get someone to process it for you, as I did with the color film. And then you had to look at it and then you had to edit. And then you had to make a print or you had to get a tube and then send it off somewhere. So it was quite a long while after. Um, nowadays when I shoot, not always, but um, certainly if it's a commission, I'll have a, uh, I'll have a, di um, a computer there yep. so you can see what I'm doing. Back in those days, you didn't really know quite what you got until you got the contact sheet or the chromes back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm speaking with Mick Rock, a legendary photographer. We're talking about shooting the cover for Iggy and the Stooges' Raw Power for Lou Reed's Transformer, uh, some of the most uh, uh, classic album covers to come out of the 1970s. Your first big break was uh, with Sid Barrett, and you were friends. Mm -hmm. Were you friends? And, and did that make it easier because you were... Uh, comfortable with him or, or more difficult? I mean, you, you, I think he was more comfortable with me, which mm -hmm. was really the point. I wasn't that experienced, so I didn't have any preconceptions. I, I had shot girlfriend. I had shot a couple of acts. I had actually shot a band called The Pretty Things. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a couple of other. It was a band called Air Apparent, and they were managed, this would have been in, this must have been 68. Um, and they were managed by Chaz Chandler. And they had actually toured America. And I Chaz believe. Chandler was a big deal. He was representing uh, Hendrix. Hendrix and, for yeah. start, and they had apparently toured America with Hendrix. But anyway, I hadn't done that much and certainly had hardly made any money. But I, um, I shot Sid. I did a, a trip with Sid a couple of... And Sid, you know, everybody, well, he's this and that. Well, he... He was fine on a trip. Yeah. We had a good time. And uh, I do remember listening to, he liked John Coltrane. It was, Sid was essentially an improviser uh, because he was really a visual artist. And he painted for the rest of his life, even when he stopped playing the music. Um, so he approached his, and I think something about the hits, gets getting a couple of hits, getting this but he looked like a classic rock star. My, I don't know if you know who John Varvatos is. Yeah, yeah, the, the clothing designer. Yes, I wear his jeans yes. all the time because they're nice and tight and very <laughs> snug where it counts. Um, he, um, he has a book out, Rock in Fashion or Fashion yeah. in Rock, and the cover is one of my pictures of Sid because he th thought, and I think it's true, he looked... He looked more like a rock star than any of them. I mean, he had a, he was a beautiful man, and he had a certain look, but he didn't really want it. Well, Pink Floyd sort of became, I think, more, my understanding and my feeling was Pink Floyd became more popular than he ever expected that they would. They had a hit with Arnold yeah, Wayne and things. Well, yes, that's right, uh, and C. Emily Play. Yeah. They actually had hit singles. After that, they barely released one. I mean, to give 
Roger, and then of course Dave came in. Credit, they did amazing things. Um, but um, it wasn't really what Sid was looking for in life. We'll get back on the other side of this commercial. We'll continue my conversation with Mick Rock. We'll talk about Sid Barrett. We'll talk about David Bowie. Uh, I have so many questions for you about David Bowie and making the Life on Mars video and Lou Reed and all that. So stay with us. Uh, We'll be back shortly. Those are probably the two. Well, uh uh-oh. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. Mick Rock is in studio now. You have seen his work for your entire life. You've seen the cover of... That's how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just, it it is so uh, omnipresent in so many people's lives. The cover of Ian the Stooges, Rob Power, Queens, uh, Queen 2 and Sheer Heart Attack, The Ramones, End of the Century, Joan Jett's I Love Rock and Roll, not to mention... And here we're going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit with me because I'm such a huge David Bowie fan, not to mention the David Bowie photographs. And when I first became aware of your name was seeing it on the side of photographs in Hit Parader magazine, seeing it on the back of album covers and that sort of thing, mostly in Hit Parader magazine, mostly related to David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust. You were David Bowie's personal photographer for those days. Give me a sense of what it was like to be in the middle of that maelstrom. I mean, this was someone who hadn't been particularly successful up until this point, and all of a sudden cuts all their hair off, dresses differently, creates a, an album, which I still listen to about once a week, and all of a sudden is the biggest rock star in the world, and you were there for it. Yeah, well, looking back, that was, I mean, at the time, it was incremental, mm-hmm. Um and, um, but yeah, now I look back and of course I have, there's a couple of other photographers did great pictures of him, but they were in the studio. I wasn't a studio photographer and I toured with David. So, um, I do, you know, pictures of him sleeping, eating, especially doing his makeup, makeup <laughs> or getting prepared backstage, uh, hanging around in his underpants, no less. <laughs> uh, and, um, well, David was a very smart, of course, yeah. it's, it's, I, he's, people say, how do you feel? I said, well, it's so strange with David because he's gone, mm-hmm. but he's everywhere. I mean, in a way, in some ways, as far as the modern world is concerned, David Bowie, not for older people necessarily, or not that older people don't like him. Certainly, you know, 70 and 80-year-olds, it's still the Rolling Stones because they're still going. Or Bob Dylan even. Yeah. But but I, I don't think the kids relate as much to those. But they, everybody, and they, when I did this massive exhibition, remember when I was down there about a month ago in Mexico City at this huge museum, like 150 prints and huge prints, there was so much media. And when all the... You know, when we when I did talks and that, the kids, ca- and they were young, mm-hmm. all wanting the autograph and pictures of David. But David was a futurist. I mean, you look back at Ziggy Stardust, you look back at the music. Again, God bless the Rolling Stones. I certainly would never knock them for going out on stage, and they're not that much older than me. And I go, oh, my God, <laughs> I love it, you know. But David... David, you listen to Ziggy, you listen to Hunky Dory, which yeah. is the album that really turned me on to him. It doesn't sound like 
old music. No, I mean, not that people mind old music. Yeah. Look at all the nostalgia acts there are out today making a ton of money, and they haven't had a hit in 20, 25, 30 <laughs> years, but they can trot out. Yeah. You know, I would think of a band like Journey, not to pick on Journey, who were never a band that interests. None of that REO, Speedwagon, Kansas. No, that was not, and I never photographed any of them. I, well, I was a city boy, for starters. Yeah. Um, and... Um, it's it just sounds like today or you listen to something a bit later young americans mm -hmm. or or um you listen to the scary whatever it is you're listening to of david and even the look i mean ziggy yeah. stardust is so postmodern still 40 years later it's uh yes and i did it and of course i was didn't really have a lot of perspective i was it was all intuitive and about the relationship and not thinking about it, but enjoying it. But to see it grow, and it did grow quite fast. I met David in the in March of 72, and it was that Ziggy was actually over by November 73. I mean, it was a short burst, and he really didn't play. And he did in Tokyo play a very big uh, um, show, but really in London and New York. I mean, he wasn't playing stadiums. In fact, nobody was playing stadiums yeah, yeah. in the in those days, um, unless it was for the Monterey or um, well, Woodstock or, or something. Well, like Woodstock, that. Yeah, 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 but there weren't many of them either. The Isle of Wight had started, I remember, but um, they. But they were playing places like uh, the Hammersmith Odeon. You know, probably three, four, or five thousand people. At a time, that would be a big rock show at the time. At that time. And for him, I mean, when I took the picture of him gnawing away on Mick Ronson's yeah. guitar, which became such a, at that time, yeah. I mean, today, it's a, a different world. An outrageous image from yeah, For that period, yeah. yeah. Um, there were a 1,000 people at that concert, and that was his biggest audience to date. Wow. And I be do believe, again, sometimes... I have good recall because of all the yoga I do, but sometimes, but it, it might have been the day after the release of Ziggy Stardust. So the full thing hadn't happened, right. but he had built enough momentum for him. When I first saw him at, what was it, Birmingham Town Hall in March, remember that's March, April, May, this is only maybe three months later. So that happened very quickly. Um, he um, he was up to a thousand people, and yeah. that was a big deal for him at that point in time. Um, and he never he played Earl's Court, but not the big Earl's Court. I think I saw uh, the Grateful Dead there in right. the summer of '72, uh, and I think they filled the bigger space because. You know, they had this but, hippie following. But reading about it at the time, we just have a minute left here, but reading about it at the time, it felt to me like it, there was this wave happening. I didn't know there were only a thousand people there. He had bodyguards. He had like... No, it, the theater of yeah, it all. It was, yes. it was the theater of it all. And that's one of the things that I find so fascinating about the photographs as as images of a moment He was a star time. before he was a star. He was treated like a star, and that was part of the game, mm -hmm. right? Like to have a personal photographer. Yeah. I mean, the thing with me was I didn't cost much. I mean, <laughs> he couldn't have had, like, one of those because they couldn't have afforded yeah, it. Yeah, David Bailey was not going to be no, his... No, I was uh, going to yeah. put... No, he wasn't. <laughs> um, 
but um, it's it was very personal, but it, but in a very cool way. And it wasn't that came a little bit later. It wasn't full stretch sex, drugs, and yeah. rock and roll. I mean, 73, that was starting to gear up and, you know, the toilet runs and things like that. Well, let's come back and talk about that in the next <laughs> segment. My guest is Mick Rock. Uh, you can find his artwork, beautiful photographs of David Bowie, of Queen, of Blondie, of, of everyone that you love on sale at the List Gallery in Toronto right now. We'll give you more details later on in the show. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. Mick Rock, you've been looking at his work forever. The covers of albums that you love, like Transformers, Raw Power, End of the Century by the Ramones, Joan Jett's I Love Rock and Roll. We're just talking right now about David Bowie and how in 1972 you became his personal photographer. And the term personal photographer sounds fairly grand. You just said you didn't cost much. So maybe that was a part of the thing. No. But for me, <laughs> as a kid sitting on this side of the Atlantic, yes, it looking looked at like those a much bigger deal boy, than it, it was inside. But of course, it was generating David. Mm -hmm. And David, and of course, Mick Ronson was a very important part of that whole thing. And the two of them together on stage. I mean, that, that was a vision. God bless Mick and Keith. And. Yeah. Stephen and Joey and whatever yeah. these, you know, the double acts that yeah. front a lot of bands. But I mean, those two, David and, and Mick Ronson, the guitar player, unbelievable, from and and the arranger. Mm -hmm. He arranged a lot of David's stuff. Well, he was and, very important. Not just David's stuff, but it, like he That's was true. okay. So he is. Uh, a guitar player from Hull. <laughs> he is working class, as you could possibly imagine. He was a gardener most of the time, yeah, so he made and, his money. And, and he could arrange uh, by ear orchestral mm -hmm. things. And, and if you go Tony on, Visconti yeah. can talk at length about that because he worked directly how Mick, from the beginning, was... Um, was arranging and he I think he did have some musical training but a lot of it was intuitive mm -hmm. he, he just um, he never realized yes of course later uh, he toured with Dylan like on yeah. the Rolling Thunder tour yeah. he produced Morris's album that was at that point was the most successful album he worked with Roger McGuinn he worked with oh Jack and Diane yeah, he yeah, had a right. lot to do with that but Mick Ronson should have been a massive star. We mm -hmm. should be talking about him in the same way that we talk about Jimmy Page, the same way that we talk about... He had the about, talent. He certainly had the talent he definitely and the look had the talent. and everything else, but maybe he liked look. gardening more than being a star. No, he was, yeah, he wasn't psychologic. I mean, David was a London lad. Right. And London lads were flashy by nature, you know, and he wanted the attention. But Mick, they did try and launch him as a solo star, but he didn't really... I still know his wife, Susie, today, and his, she's still a good friend of mine. And uh, he, he was kind of diffident. When I say diffident, I don't mean he wasn't enthusiastic yeah. when he was doing things. But he just, I don't think he ever fully appreciated his own talent. If only he'd lived a bit longer and he'd started to understand... Well, the passage of time does interesting things and it starts to weed out the wheat, you know, because there's millions of hits going on every yeah. day there's a hit. But the, the stuff, not that one hit wonders can't produce incredible records mm -hmm. and it sticks around forever. But longevity is the thing. But, but the talent, that other level of, that a 
starting back yeah. with with the Stones and the Beatles and um, of course Elvis and uh, and Bowie and loads of Queen, uh, massive. But uh, but Mick had that level of talents, and of course he co-produced Transformer. Yeah. That's another thing. Um, but he was. Well, he, and he was, and he was beautiful, but he, he wasn't that, it wasn't that he was anti, he just kind of wasn't bothered about it. It wasn't in his mind. Right. You know, he was, he was, but, and they, of course, they made a documentary about him recently, yeah. which is a good thing. And um, I think, unlike my documentary, when <clears throat> I said, no talking heads. Right. But for Mick, there's actually quite a lot to bear witness. And uh, and they all say the same thing. He was such a beautiful guy. And uh, but him, from my perspective, the look of those two was something else. Yeah. You know, well, I, I mean, I, I was totally spoiled. And when you see the footage of them on top of the pops playing Starman, and the arm that, goes yeah, around, that and is that, a and rock you, and roll and, moment that changed the world. I know? mean, from this perspective, you go, you've got to go if you're young. Why would him yeah. putting his arm round Mick be such a big deal? Yeah. In the modern world, yeah. you see it everywhere. Yeah. But back in those days, well, I think it, it, until 69, it had been to be homosexual was, was a crime yeah, in England. Crime I think it was here yeah. until... Um, not that they had that kind of relationship. Mick was... In fact, Mick, sometimes David would gather certain people come backstage and hit on Mick, and, and Mick didn't really have a clue. <laughs> and David would have a good laugh, you know, because David was very hip, you know, he was a London lad. And uh, I suppose I thought I was. I don't, now I look back and go, I don't know, Mick. Not so impressed I'm not with you from today's perspective. But in those days, and, and the whole... You know, the culture was young. Yeah. That was an outside culture, the rock and roll culture. The Stones were bits like still huge rebels, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mick, uh, Sir Mick. I don't yeah. know if you're such a rebel anymore, <laughs> Mick. But he, uh, and the corporations. But, but um, that was, uh, was a different time. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing for me is to be around and be relevant to the present, not... Yeah. I had quadruple bypass heart surgery in 1996. For a start, it cleaned up my 20-year cocaine habit. And I started to get all, a bit more organized. I could always take pictures. It was, it's like you see a musician, you know, and they're three quarters in the grave, but they still do great music. Right. You see, I, there's a concert out there that you don't see anymore of Elvis doing his last ever concert. He looked... It's called This Is Elvis, I think, yeah. Whatever... Not no, not no. the hot one. No, this is him looking totally oh. fat and overweight and greasy, yeah. and but the voice was incredible yeah. still. So you know, because talent, talent's talent a funny works. thing. Yeah, it's um, very slippery talent. Um, I once saw Johnny Thunder's not out on stage. I did. You, yeah. you know, I remember the Harpers, yeah. Johnny yes, Thunder and the yeah, Harpers, yeah. Yes, and yes. the New York Dolls. Yeah. yeah, but this was by, it's not with, I saw, I knew him with the Dolls, but yeah. it was the Harp. By then, he was, you know, the big nod. Yeah. And um, I did. I saw him nod out and then snap back to life and carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So in those days, you could get these interesting visual experiences, which probably I don't think you can get today. There's too much surveillance today. Too much surveillance, and and no one wants uh, publicity-wise. They don't want the real experience anymore. I don't think you you wouldn't. You're not taking pictures of. You know, you you said earlier. I'm not hanging out 24 hours. I'm not staying up all night. You're not, I'm not getting stoned. Or well, and, and you're not backstage taking pictures no, of David I can't Bowie be putting back. on his makeup and his underpants anymore. But well, no one's taking those pictures no. anymore. That's the thing. The, those the control, intimate... and I own and control. I mean, I've never. I've got all kinds of pictures, but I'd never. You know, as a lot of them will never see the light yeah, of yeah. day. Because they were privileged moments, and they've taken it at a time when one didn't even think about publishing them. One just hanging out, and you took pictures. And uh, but I, I came to regard myself as like a, a guardian of the image. My pictures of Lou Reed, very interesting, all kinds of stuff. But I'm into, you know, all this. I don't care about. I think if you see, you've seen shots, yes, mm -hmm, yeah. yeah. So I talk about. I'm not interested in. Not that I couldn't shoot gritty reality, but I wasn't thinking about that. I was into the auras. So I became I became a protector. To me, that's important. These are people that I loved. And these are people, you know, my reputation. I shot a lot of stuff you've never seen or never heard about. I mean, to make a living <laughs> back right. then, there wasn't much money in it. But the record labels... Well, I mean, nobody had any foresight. Nobody thought the photography was such a big deal. So it was so disposable. And uh, nowadays, that's why there's room for... I've done so many books because they were... You know, how many pictures would you see from a session? Um, I mean, raw power, how many people know the full scope of my range of pictures? Well, they know the cover, and they almost certainly know the backbench mm -hmm. shot. And maybe the one of him on his, but they they know the live shots and not the other ones. And um, different world today, much way different world. I like it. We'll come back and discuss why with my I guest. I love it. <laughs> we'll come back and discuss why Mick Rock loves the world the way it is today. Stay yes, sir. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Kraus. Mick Rock, legendary photographer. Loves the world the way it Sounds is. Sounds very old, that uh, well, legendary. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. You, you you say the word legendary, you give someone a lifetime achievement award. You're like, wait, I'm not done yet, <laughs> and you're not done yet. I mean, you're taking pictures of of very current artists. You're still working at Chanel a extraordinarily high level, uh, uh, but you know the 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 pictures that so blew my mind. Uh, were the things that I focused on here a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, we'll get to let's get to some of the newer stuff in just a sec. So mm -hmm. two things I have to ask you before we run out of time. Mm -hmm. Why do you love the world the way it is today? You <laughs> were just saying that we've I've been saying that photographers don't have the same kind of access. Yeah, but it's a different world. I'm not. I think you know. I actually am not looking for that. Right. And I don't think people would. I suppose they might be as interested, but they really. Used to be when I first started showing in galleries, it was I didn't have any 60s work other than that one session with Sib Barra. But people were more interested in the 60s. People are much more interested in the 70s yeah. today. The 70s, certain elements of it, especially the glammy and punky stuff that I 
was wasn't the only. I've got great pictures of Ozzy Osbourne and right, yeah, and yeah. Bob Marley, and, but still the ones that people and the ones probably they were the people that I was hanging out with and would have got a broader range of photographs of uh, were the David Louie, Blondie, I mean Rocky Horror Picture Show. I have the collection. Um, and all of, nobody was trying to control these pictures because they were regarded as being so disposable and there wasn't many places to actually get them published. That's one thing about today, that you as a young photographer, I don't know how you make the money because it seems to me there's a lot of photographers. There are many more outlets, yeah. it's true. But, um, but because, they don't have the money that you might want for your images. Well, I didn't get much money back then either, but you didn't need as much. That was the big difference. You could live in the middle of a big city on not much money at all. So it didn't matter. The main thing was the lifestyle, the yeah, bohemian yeah. factor <laughs> or the hippie for whatever you want yeah, to call yeah. it. Um, and, um, and, of course, you could get away with a lot more back then because you weren't, and not everybody had their phones out. I mean, I don't think people can, an act can give a photographer, a professional photographer, that kind of access. I wouldn't personally, and that's just me, because because they take the picture, they put it out, and say, well, I've got my underpants down. I wish you hadn't taken that, but you can't have that. Right. I understand why, but I'm not looking for it. I ain't going to hang out with you anyway. <laughs> I mean, because, but I will take your picture, but normally I do set up stuff, you yeah. know. I think you'll find most, not totally, I do have a great picture of Bono and Lady Gaga I took one I've night. which that. was yeah, great. Yeah, uh, forked, as my friend <laughs> says, because <laughs> of the fork. Uh, but uh, But mostly, mostly... You know, people come to me. I go to them. We uh, and you do portrait. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's mostly what it, I what it, I do now. Isn't and it's I don't get a lot of time to run around. Mm -hmm. I mean, back in the seventies, I'd shoot you know anything that wriggled. <laughs> I mean, and I was shooting most days a lot of stuff that now people want to know about. But at the time, I was just shooting because I wanted to shoot it yeah. uh, and. When young photographers, but what I love about today is the instantaneity of it. I love that. And also you can shoot great what I shot, this new Hedwig shot. No, maybe I only shot, I had about three hours. I shot, shot maybe a thousand. Um, this young lady came over from Italy and I did a session with her, not so well attired but of course i'm a gentleman so it had nothing to do with anything other than the fact i think i shot 1500 shots of her, her in about three hours um so you can do that today and uh and, and i can get into a rhythmic thing yes i would always shoot quite if you want to see the number of pictures i did on the queen two session right. and the variations and the black and white and the color and john and roger changing size and the different hand positions and I mean people know well there is a queen book out there there was a limited edition one with a company called Genesis but I, I love it I mean it's a little different for me because I'm not um, scuffling as it were but but I did in my time yeah. you and I was broke for 15 years because of a certain chemical habit or you know, you spend more than you earn under those set. But that was a time too. That ended well. 
when I hit the hospital bed in yeah, 1990s, 20, yeah. 22 years yeah, ago, yeah. this coming Christmas. And uh, But I love it. You can... I mean, I, I like the fact that the images of mine that people have offered me enormous amounts of money for, and also museums are interesting. In I have a true master, right. I have a chrome, or right. I have a negative, and well, you don't have you a hung true. Hung on to those. Well, I a did. Lot of people yes. didn't. I suppose I hung on to them because that was my nature. I would tend to hang on to stuff. Um, I've lost the last pictures of Keith Moon. Right. I was on a radio tour with Pete was there. And I think John and Keith Moon. But I was so whacked out of my brain that I let the record label borrow the negatives, which I would never have done before and I have never never did afterwards. And I forgot to get the negatives back. Yeah. But so that was one that got away. I was just in New York and went to the Brooklyn Museum and saw the Bowie exhibit for about the 90th time. It played here as well. I've seen I it. I was time, here for that one. Yeah, and it was fantastic. Yes. Uh, and one of the exhibits is the Life on Mars video. You see it, and they've got the suit there as well that he wore, the big sort of almost a zoot suit with mm-hmm. the thing. Tell me yeah, what, and he wore it that one time. He, just the one time. So just tell me one. about making that because mm. that video is iconic, and it was before – Everyone was making videos. But not before I was making videos. <laughs> <laughs> because I had done, well, I had done one for Moon Age Daydream, which right. is a funny little thing, like a collage. And there is one for Rock and Roll Suicide, but we're trying to work out music clearance for that. Right. But those four, of course, well, I know and thought about ownership at the time. No one ever, there was no paperwork, there was right. no nothing. David and I did, he'd say, what about this, mate? Are they going to release it as a single? And probably the next day, I'd have to organize the shooting. Uh, we'd Life on Mars. Well, that was a one-day shoot. I mean, it was, it was. what should we do, Mick? Yeah. And I said, I don't know, man. I didn't even, we've got to find a space. So I went for the space. It was just a big white uh, studio with, uh, with a psych, which means it yeah, runs, yeah. this, uh, a seamless white background. That, that's right, yeah. uh, not a paper, not a paperwork. Yeah. Um, and um, and I shot him. I actually, there was the main cameraman, and he was an assistant cameraman that was married to my wife, who'd actually shot John and Only Dancing the previous yeah. year. Yeah. I shot the second camera, and I shot loads of stills. But in those days, I was going at a very good lick. By then, I was really up to speed. And um, I know people love it when they inducted all of David's, uh, I don't know, maybe in, it was a few years ago now, maybe four or five years ago, into the Museum of Modern Art um, collection. The one everybody got up and cheered was, was Life on Mars. Yeah. Now, there is Life on Mars 2016. I did a new edit. I love the new edit. and And, of course, it's pristine because I had every frame cleaned up. The original version, of course, it was transferred from a 16 millimeter uh, and it had some dirt on it. I mean, some people like that because it gave it more of an antique feel, but the modern, and plus I had this other footage that I was able to put in. Um, In fact, I did a lecture at the Brooklyn Museum was about my videos. That would have been maybe three weeks ago. And we got, we, there were 400 people, which, you know, it's not 50,000 people. Like, <laughs> like, but, it's a but, lot of people. But, but <laughs> relatively speaking, and it was packed out, and nearly everybody paid, paid whatever it was, the $16 to get <laughs> in. 
And I, and people loved it. Uh, and yes, we did show, the producer wanted to show a bunch of my stills to put me into context, so it wasn't... And then I talked about the individual videos. That was very... Um, you know, you could look at it in a number of different ways. I mean, well, it's a genius in shooting him on white. Yeah, yeah, but I, that was all I had available. <laughs> I wasn't like I had loads of places available. It's those happy mistakes, though, or not, or not even a mistake, or, or, but those happy circumstances yes. that create the genius. Necessity. Right? Yeah. Now, I've often had those conversations with creative people, and it's necessity can breed. Uh, can breed art. Yeah. What, what can I say? And I've certainly experienced that. Like shooting Joan Jett at 3 a.m. because they, after when they were mixing and they were on there, they'd already rejected two sessions. I happened to know their lawyer and my lawyer was the same at the time. And I remember him calling me up and saying, not got a lot of money. It was the same really, different... That was with the art director, the Ramones. But in both circumstances, they'd rejected earlier sessions. But with the Joni one, they couldn't even get there till midnight. But they had to get it done because they they were desperate to put it out. It was all very last minute and rushed. And probably around 3 a.m., I got got a lot of stuff from that. But that particular, what I was called the Elvis shot. Yeah. We have to leave it there. Mick Rock, oh. uh, your work is on display at the List Gallery in Toronto right now. Uh, you can pick up something for $1,600 or up to $22,000. It's exciting. Exciting to have all this work on display here. Mick, yeah, you can you come so even if you don't want to buy. But there are books there. There's the Bowie book, and there's also another book of mine called Exposed. And, uh, and there's also the Lou Reed book that I did just before Lou died that we revamped. Um, so there it is. Come along. Thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure, sir. Thank you. Thank you to Liz for, thank you for listening. And thanks to Mike on the board.